We'll hear argument next in number 981648, Guy Mitchell v. Marielle Helms. Mr. McConnell. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The Fifth Circuit held that the constitutionality of government provision of educational resources pursuant to neutral statutes depends upon the medium in which the resources are provided. That is to say that if it's provided in the form of a textbook or in the form of a public employee providing remedial education services, it is constitutional. But if a bit of similar material is provided in the form of computer-assisted instruction or library books, it is unconstitutional. I'd like to make two principal points this morning. The first is that the distinctions of this sort have not, are, are pedagogically meaningless and counterproductive and have no relation to the uh, principles of the First Amendment. And secondly, that the criteria laid down by this Court in its decision in Agostini versus Felton two years ago provide a principled basis for resolution of issues of this sort. The uh, statute at issue here, Chapter 2, was originally enacted in 1965. It provides for grants to uh, local education agencies through state education agencies for the purchase of educational materials and equipment. Today, that means principally, in the case of non-public schools, library books, computers, computer software. And an equal per capita sum per student is provided uh, to the local education agency for all students, no matter what accredited school they attend. These material, uh, then the uh, statute provides that the LEA will then purchase secular, neutral, and non-ideological materials and equipment, which will then provide for the use of the students at the schools uh, where they attend. The Fifth Circuit held that, uh, uh, as I said, that the computer-assisted uh, instructional uh, equipment and the textbooks are unconstitutional, relying upon this Court's decisions in the mid-late 1970s, uh, Meek versus Pittenger and Woolman versus Walter. It's our submission that that is uh, an erroneous decision and that under the criteria in Agostini versus Felton that this program is entirely constitutional. Indeed, we don't consider that this case is even particularly difficult because the statute was designed in a particularly careful way, providing safeguards that, if anything, go beyond any constitutional requirements. Mr. McConnell, that this court the uh, Fifth Circuit relied primarily <laughs> on Meek and Wolman, I gather, in its decision. Uh, in order to find in your favor, do you think we need to overrule those cases well, here? Justice O'Connor, I don't think that you actually have to overrule them. I think that the principle under which those cases was decided has already been explicitly rejected by this Court in Agostini. The judgment in those cases could be sustained because if you read the opinions uh, carefully, you'll see that the Court presumed in those cases that the statutes were uh, not neutral. That is, it analyzed the cases as if what they were looking at were entirely grants to non-public schools which were disproportionately but Mr. McCall, religious in nature. That was contrary to fact because the public schools were getting those same benefits. So I can see you saying, yes, you have to overrule those cases, but I, the kind of distinction that would be made, it seems to me so artificial, whether it's in one statute that covers public and private or separate statutes added together as the same thing? Well, Your Honor, I'm not going to plead here for uh, keeping Meek and Woolman alive, which I consider to have been 
uh, decisions that have led to tremendous misunderstanding and mischief in this area. And, Indeed, and you, you probably would welcome <clears throat> the notion that if you have a statute that is narrowly directed to, to religious schools, but which gives them nothing more than what is already given to public schools under another statute, uh, that is not a uh, — that is not a statute that is narrowly targeted to religious schools. Yes, I agree with you and Justice Ginsburg on that. The Court in Meek and Woolman did say the contrary, however, and if this Court prefers to distinguish rather than overrule the cases on that ground, it would be able to decide for us without so doing. I don't necessarily recommend that. Uh, uh, the three criteria spelled out in Agostini Let me just ask you a question on that. Do you, do you adhere to, uh, subscribe to the fact that there's a distinction between supplanting and supplementing the educational mission? Uh, Your Honor, uh, this statute does contain a supplement, not supplant requirement, which is enforced. Uh, we do not believe that is constitutionally required, but we also do urge the Court uh, to be — not to treat that as a constitutional requirement. It isn't really at issue in this case, since it is present. And there are contexts, including earlier cases in this so Court, in your view, where it would the, be perfectly uh, constitutional for the — and the neutral statute to say we will provide all the computers and all the desks for both public and private schools. Well, no, Your Honor. All I would say is that it isn't really necessary for the Court to consider that's that the, here. That's the — the place where your position would take us, wouldn't it? Uh, well, that's the place where some earlier decisions of this Court seem to take us. Take well, uh, I'm just asking you whether that's the, that's the, where your position would take uh, us. No, Your Honor. Uh, our position is that this statute is constitutional, and whether that particular feature of the statute is constitutionally required is not something I think that the Court should decide in a case where it is not at issue. I guess I'm, I'm not sure of what, what your answer is to Justice Stevens. You, you have said, as I understand it, that you don't think that the supplement-supplant distinction is a constitutionally required distinction. Uh, is that correct? Uh, that is our, our submission, however. But even if it were, this, stat, this case would still no, come but out. Let's, uh, let's, as as, we let's assume it is not a constitutionally required distinction, and therefore, at least in some categories of aid, there could be uh, a, a complete uh, a supplantation. Whether the, uh, and I, I take it that is also your position. Whether there's a complete supplantation is another question, but, well, but if there the might be some if degree. If the distinction is not required, then I presume uh, the, there are certain categories of, of aid in which the, the government, in effect, or categories of, of supply to, to uh, sectarian schools that the government could take over completely uh, without violating any constitutional norm. Well, I... Maybe I don't understand what you say when you say the, the distinction is not constitutionally well, required. It, 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 this is not, of course, an either-or proposition. There can be questions of degree. Uh, the, the position I would strongly urge this Court not to constitutionalize the idea that any time any expenditure by the school is displaced, uh, that it becomes automatically unconstitutional. Well, that is, we on, know, on the other hand, a complete supplantation might present a different issue. Well, what about a situation where the, the county says, well, we're building a new public school, and just in, to be neutral, we're going to build a new parochial school, too, uh, at our expense? Um, Your Honor, first, I do I, I believe so much depends, Your Honor, upon the way a statute is designed, well, what its could, enforcement could, mechanisms why, why are, and you, so forth. Could, could you answer that uh, question? But I strongly, I strongly suspect that the entanglement 
that would be entailed uh, under such well, a program well, would be excessive. No, so it's hard for me to imagine that such well, a provision. Would let, be let's say there's, we're, we're, we're not going to do anything until we turn this school, the lock or, or uh, turnkey job on the school, and that's it. The um, the different. May I explain the difference between that and, and this well, I case? Hope you'll I think you'll get to an answer fairly well, I, soon. Well, Chief the, Justice, the answer, I do believe that that would be unconstitutional. Answer yes or no when they can, and then explain. Uh, I do believe that would be unconstitutional, Your Honor. Uh, but it's hard to say for sure because it would depend uh, to a certain extent upon the nature of the program. Well, then, doesn't that mean that su- that supplant and supplement perhaps do play a role in, in, in this uh, doctrine? It may very well play a role, but as an absolute rule. Your Honor, it would be uh, it would as as, as if supplement supplements not supplant meant that there could be no displacing of any expenditure, however small. That would be a a very damaging uh, holding. You, you're At talking the other supplement, extreme, everybody's talking about supplement and supplant as though that's an easy call. I, I, what, what what causes it? Suppose you a if you have a poor religious school that doesn't have uh, that doesn't have window shades. Uh, Providing window shades would be supplementing, but but if if it was a rich uh, religious school that already had window shades, window shades would be supplanting. Your Honor, that is one of many problems. If the if supplement supplant were not supplant were interpreted as an as an absolute constitutional rule, you would have distinctions among schools. Yes, and, and, and you, as it may be a very difficult line to draw. And I but I'm really seeking what is your limiting principle? Is it simply neutrality, or is there something else beside neutrality that limits the amount of aid that the government can give to schools on an equal basis, building schools for both well, programs? The, the three the three criteria. There's not neutrality is just one of the three criteria laid down in Agostini. The other two are that there may not be governmental inculcation of religion, which we interpret primarily as meaning that the materials must be neutral, secular, and non-ideological, and there must not be excessive entanglement. But on the Chief Justice's question, every one of those criteria is satisfied. There is is certainly no doctrinal element in the BRICS. Uh, and his hypothesis is that the school gets turned over uh, and the government's uh, contact with it ceases at the moment the teaching begins. So I presume that would be, that would be entirely constitutional. Uh, again, Your Honor, it may very well be that there are some limitations having to do with total supplantation well, where what the are they? provides I mean, the entire That's amount. just the Stevens's question, and it's mine. What is your limiting principle? Uh, the facts of this case are so far from that that they are not very useful. But we'd like and to know what the principle is that we ought to bear in mind in, dis- in deciding all these cases, and I want to know what yours is. Um, Your Honor, what I would recommend to you is that the, uh, is that the three principal criteria of, of Agostini be reaffirmed and that the lower courts be asked to evaluate specific no, but that statutes not, and With and respect, I don't think that answers our question because it seems to me that in answer to the question a moment ago, in referring to the three Agostini principles, uh, you, in effect, came up with a scheme which would lead to the conclusion in the Chief Justice's hypothesis that building the school for the, for the parochial school would, would be entirely constitutional. You back off from that conclusion, and I understand why you would, but I don't know what your limiting principle is for backing off from it. Your Honor, as, as the government assumes a larger and larger 
share of the of the expenses of the school. Uh, the entanglement problems grow exponentially. There is no entanglement problem in building that school. That is the hypothesis of the question. The entanglement comes in the various conditions and limitations that are going to be attached to the use In the of hypothesis, school. the government says, here's the school. It's yours. Uh, Your Honor, the government has never simply said, here's the school. Maybe it hasn't, but the Chief Justice just did, and, and um. that's, that's, the, that's the hypothesis of the question. Well, with respect, the reason I resist the hypothesis is the very purpose of the entanglement doctrine has been as a protection for the autonomy of schools that comes from the types of limitations and conditions that the government typically uh, attaches to its its grants of aid. It's the it's the other side, the protective side of that wall of separation. To hypothesize that there are no limitations or conditions is contrary to the very theory under which uh, Mr. McConnell, it's not going to happen. Sense. Why don't you say it's no good? I mean, why don't you just say it's no good because you just can't supplement the whole thing? You, you, you're not giving away anything that's ever going to going to occur in the real world. Uh, it is certainly true that this isn't going to occur in the yeah, real but then world. What would the difference be between that case and saying we'll just supply the desks and computers? That'd be the same case, wouldn't it? And you uh, use them any way you want. We don't want to interfere with the with the teaching programs that you want to administer. Well, that would be Honor, the same case. Of course, the case here is not one in which the computers can be used for whatever you want. There's specific congressional purposes, narrowly targeted purposes. But you and, just told uh, us those were not necessary. You said that the statute did a lot of things that the Constitution did not require. And I'm still trying to find out what your limit is other than pure neutrality. Uh, and if, I, if that's the limit, I think the government may subsidize and may avoid entanglement problems by simply saying use this stuff the way you want to, be, and which would have a lot of merit to it because one of the dangers here is you interfere with the, the teaching mission of the parochial school. Uh, one of those limitations is, however, excessive entanglement, and you cannot evaluate the entanglement without knowing what the, what the uh, range of limitations and conditions are going to be on the, on the building. May I, but, may but I, if I the make building, the hypothesis of no regulation whatsoever, there other we, whatever we buy or lend to you, use just as you want to, so there will be no entanglement. Uh, but, but the question is, to whom? That will be to a school. Well, what is a school? There will be definitions of what a school is. Those definitions will include such things. Things is what kind of content it has to do, what kind of, uh, of uh, requirements it has to meet. It is l- literally uh, an impossibility to imagine that the government simply says, we're going to give you a building and you can use it for whatever you want it to. If it did, if it gave every American to imagine that they would say, we'll supply your computers? I beg your pardon? You think it's impossible to assume they might say, we'll supply all the computers? And you just use them the way you want? Well, actually, I think that is is at least conceivable that, for example, the government could provide a personal computer to every student within certain age groups in America to have at their own home, and that there would be no need for entanglement because no need for any kind of limitation on religious use. Again, that's not the statutory scheme that we have here. And similarly, if the government wanted to give a building to every person in the United States, it would not be unconstitutional to use the building for a, uh, uh, for a church, uh, even. But if but the as, government... As you, as you point out, though, in the real world, there, there are conditions uh, and there will be at least threats of entanglement. Uh, and... and as I understand it so far, you've said, you know, there are limits. Uh, in other words, there's, there's, there's a, somehow there's a point beyond which the government cannot go. Is that point defined in your judgment in, entirely by the entanglement concept? 
In other words, there's a point in which there's too much entanglement or a threat of too much entanglement. Is that what defines the point at which uh, uh, something becomes, aid becomes too much? Well, there are also the other two aspects, including the prohibition on governmental indoctrination of religion, and that's, of course, extremely important as well. Right. But, but in, in, the, in the practical terms of this case, I take it it's an, it's, this is really an entanglement issue? Uh, in the practical terms of this case, because we have a supplement, not supplant provision, and we have very rigorous no religious no, but we have requirements, to we, we have don't to have to it, either that, of those. We, we have to police the supplement-supplant distinction, and I thought that raised the entanglement point. Well, it, it, it does, but, uh, but, in, but the entanglement is so minimal when, when, what is, when it, what is at stake is things like library books and computers, it's not something like teachers or entire buildings where you have to have uh, some sort of elaborate scheme of monitoring. These are very discrete pieces of equipment that are used for discrete tasks. It is a, it is a relatively simple and routine matter uh, to know what they're being used for. And so the entanglement problem here is, uh, if anything, less than in uh, other cases where, where this Court has approved the program. I'd like McConnell, to. the reason uh, limitations questions were asked is your brief goes pretty far. It even suggests that it might be a violation of the free exercise clause not to give the kind of assistance that's involved here. Oh, by, uh, Your Honor, there's a political judgment to be made whether legislatures or Congress want to give aid to non-public education. When government, if the government does make that decision, which is certainly a political judgment, we do not claim as a constitutional right at all, there are constitutional limitations on discriminating between secular and religious private schools. And so if the government were to enact a program which provides money or other sorts of equipment or, or resources to private secular schools, there would be some free exercise and free speech uh, 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 concerns in, pro- in denying similar benefits to religious schools. I read your brief to say if they gave it to the public schools and not the uh, schools. Uh, uh, that is certainly not, definitely not our position, Justice Ginsburg. I would like to reserve the remainder of my time. Very well, you shall, Mr. McConnell. Uh, Ms. Underwood, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this statute is constitutional because it is not only neutral with respect to religion, but also it does not directly support religious instruction, indoctrination. It provides secular materials for secular uses in a way that supplements and does not supplant the existing budget of the school. And I think it's important to recognize that this last requirement applies not only to religious schools, but to secular, private, and public schools as well. It's an essential feature of this particular aid program. When you speak of a requirement, Ms. Under, you're talking about a statutory requirement. Yes, I'm describing the statute and explaining that these features guarantee its constitutionality. This I understood you to, your brief to take the position that the supplement supplanting distinction is constitutionally mandated. The supplement and not supplant distinction or something like it is I, I wouldn't say go so far as to say that it itself would always be constitutionally mandated, but it performs the function here of guaranteeing two things, guaranteeing, insu- helping to ensure two things, that the government aid 
doesn't go to the religious mission of the school and that the aid doesn't become so substantial as to, in effect, subsidize the whole operation of the school. Well, why, why would that be bad? Suppose, suppose you have a, a state that makes a, a determination that a certain amount of money per capita per student is necessary to provide an adequate secular education. It enacts a statute requiring all accredited schools within the state to provide that minimum secular education. And then it gives to all schools in the state, both public schools and public schools, the minimum amount of money necessary to achieve that secular education. And it examines students to be sure that they have gotten that minimum secular education. Now, that, it seems to me, might well be supplanting instead of supplementing, but all you're, all you're providing is the secular education, which, the, which the, the, the state has decided requires a certain minimum amount of expenditure. Why would that be unconstitutional? Well, the constitutional problem that it would raise is the one that this Court has repeatedly recognized as the separate concern that when so much aid, when, when the core functions of, uh, of, of a religious school are subsidized by the government, at some point it becomes impossible to say that it is only the secular function that is being supported. No, but in my hypothetical, the, the, the State has tried to be careful about that. It, it, you know, it tests whether you've given a secular education, and it's made the determination for our public schools, which don't give anything but secular education, uh, this amount of money is necessary. So we're going to subsidize the, the secular education, whatever school you go to. Now, you want to add something else to that secular education, that's your business. Do it on your money. But, uh, but we're just subsidizing secular education for everybody, wherever they want to get it. Well, I, I, Ms. Underwood, does yes. that bring to mind perhaps this Court's holding in ball on the Community Education Act? Do you suppose that's still good law? Yes. Uh, in Ball, as long ago as Ball and as recently as uh, Agostini, on a number of occasions in between, this Court has articulated a, a separate principle, not only that the, um, that, that the money not be itself directly used for, uh, or the money, or the aid in this case, because it's not money, it's, it's um it's material that is, that is, that is loaned, uh, that, that it not be directly used for religious instruction, but also that when it is, um, when the aid is uh, sufficiently substantial as to, in effect, support the whole operation of the school, when without it the school couldn't operate, then the fact that um, the dollars can be, by, by accounting, assigned only to secular functions is insufficient to remove the uh, appearance and the understanding and the fact that the government is, in effect, subsidizing this school in totality with all its um, this is sort of a mystic appearances uh, problem. Is that, is that what it is? Well, I don't think it's mystic. I think appearances are part of the problem. I think when the government supports a religious school without any mysticism involved. The government is paying for the secular education, which is, which is provided in this school. Well, the government is it, paying. It has made a determination that it costs that much to provide it. What, what possible constitutional problem is there if a cho if, if school chooses to add to that something else? The problem is that at some point, while, you're, while your hypothesis has the number of dollars being the dollars that the secular part of the education, that would require overturning a long line of this Court's cases holding that the government can't directly. I, I take it the principle you're talking about, you, you don't 
get in a sentence all of the gray areas and the gradations that, that you might be talking about. That's, that's correct. But what supplement but not supplant does is one mechanism, along with the, the, the array of safeguards in the statute to ensure or to attempt to ensure that the materials are used for secular purposes. And there, were, there, there are everything from asking for assurances from the schools to asking to marking the materials. Yeah, I one question about the distinction, because it is a difficult line to draw. Supposing a school had 20 students and 20 computers, and they got 10 more students, the enrollment went up. And the government provided the extra 10. This is a parochial school. The government provided 10 more computers. Would that be supplementing or supplanting? I think that's a, a possibly a boundary question. I would be inclined to characterize that as supplanting because if the school's position was that it was providing. Everybody should have a computer. Yes. That, then it would be uh, simply uh, um, providing the same thing to the additional students. Um, Ms. Underwood, I take it in, in response to an earlier question, you, you, you spoke of secular materials, uh, and, and just recently you spoke of the need uh, to monitor even materials that were, were provided uh, which did not supplant. Uh, do you think there is a legitimate distinction to be drawn between secular materials that have a, a pre-established content like a math textbook and materials like a computer, which in effect are, are neutral, they can transmit anything and be used for anything for purposes of the monitoring. Well, they present slightly different uh, issues of monitoring, although, of course, even a textbook with pre-established content can be used by a teacher in a wide variety of ways, including religious ways. But it, it's some, basically on the textbook theory, if we follow our prior cases, once the textbook has been screened as having no independently religious content, the government's interest in the textbook constitutionally is over. I mean, I, and I take it that's your starting point here, too. Yes. But that is not the case for the computer. That's correct. And the reason is? Well, the, re the reason is that, um, on the one hand, one could say that a computer is even more neutral than a textbook. It has no content of its own. And on the other hand, it is capable, it, it is readily usable, as distinguished from uh, unlikely to be used, for wholly um, uh, sectarian uh, teaching and the prohibition on that, that is, the prohibition on uh, having it be uh, in support of uh, sectarian teaching is, and is necessary. That's why the monitoring is required. That's correct. Well, what if, what if you have a lectern? You know, you can put a secular book on it, or you, you could put a, a, a very religious book on it. That, that doesn't mean that the lectern needs to be monitored, does it? Well, I think if lecterns were provided with Title VI funds, there, I mean, there might well be a, a, a restriction that they not be used in the theology classroom or, for that matter, on the pulpit of the, of the chapel when, when worship services were engaged. Well, isn't in the it? lectern, in effect, like the general bricks and mortar prohibition? You can't build a school, we assume. And I, su I suppose uh, you then would have the same issue if you start furnishing the school. Yes, although a lectern not being the whole school but something that's used in an individual class, one could imagine putting a lectern in the chemistry lab uh, and having it be part of the, the, the furnishing of a, of a chemistry lab that was uh, more elaborate than the school had previously been able to or inclined to undertake and, and be subject to the restrictions that are imposed on 
those facilities, those does, — Does the government feel that the jurisprudence here would be helped if we started developing more or less hard and fast categories like no bricks and mortar and hence no lecterns and no desks, uh, but textbooks are okay uh, and maybe other books are okay? Would, would that be a, an approach to what is uh, an almost impossible line-drawing problem? Well, it might be helpful. On the other hand, sometimes I think it works better to deal with the laws that Congress and the states actually pass and see what — I mean, there is a general notion here. There's a general principle that uh, supporting the whole school when it is a religious school is inappropriate and it violates the Establishment Clause, and supporting the distinctively religious functions violates the Establishment Clause. And item by item, we can um, — uh, assess the aid programs that the states and Congress provide. Thank you, Ms. Underwood. Mr. Boothby, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, at stake in this case is our historic commitment to the principle that taxpayers must not be compelled to subsidize the religious education of sectarian schools. As I've uh, listened to the uh, arguments this morning, I would have to agree with the Secretary's brief, uh, and it encompasses the view of the respondents, that the supplement and not supplant requirement of Chapter 2 and the provision with reference to non-divertibility are both constitutionally required uh, this is in distinction. Would you give me an example of some supplementation that you think is appropriate under the First Amendment? Uh, I think in the Augustini case, uh, that represents an example where, uh, as the Court clearly pointed out, uh, the Chapter 1 program was a supplemental program. It was a program that was actually being conducted by the uh, public school, under the public school supervision. The equipment and materials were kept separate and utilized for that supplemental program. As I understand, the debate that took place within the Court on that question was whether you could draw the line between a supplemental program and a general educational program, and the Court indicated that that line could be drawn. I think it's much more difficult, however, to start drawing the line within the area where it's general education, where these are core educational uh, classes, core educational functions. Well, the court has allowed the furnishing of textbooks to students, even though those students, to all students, public and private, and parochial, right? That, that you is, accept that, yes. or is that, does that violate the Constitution? Was no, that I, decision wrong? No, no, I don't think so. Now, the court has uh, previously um, made the distinction there on the basis, on two bases, actually. Uh, one, that, uh, that it is not direct aid to the school. Uh, in the Allen case, the court indicated that it was the understanding of the court that historically the parents had purchased the books, so it did not relieve the school of an educational cost they would otherwise have to assume, and there was not a problem of divertibility because the book, books that were furnished were books that uh, could be looked at, in fact, were, in fact, utilized 
in the public schools, and therefore there was not a problem of divertibility. Well, it was not well yeah, how about uh, software for particular uh, subjects where you can examine the content of it and uh, don't give it to the school, just uh, maintain the ownership and the public agency, but allow it to be used, or a map. What's the matter with that if we allow textbooks? Taking the software, and there are two issues we have to look at. The one issue is whether it's supplanting. At least in Louisiana, there are standards that are required that a certain amount of software has to be um, has to be owned by or, or or within the in the control of both the public and non-public schools. What about textbooks? I mean, if you acknowledge the textbook case is okay, you really think that uh, textbooks was uh, was uh, supplanting or supplementing? What do you think? No, the schools didn't have textbooks before. No, obviously in supp- uh, uh, supplanting, no? Well, when I went to parochial school, I had to buy my textbooks, and so it was a cost either of myself and my parent. Well, everybody who goes to parochial school has to pony up the money to, uh, for the school in, 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 in tuition. So, I mean, that, that would apply to all. As, as I understand, uh, for instance, in, uh, in the Zobrest <laughs> case, the, the question was there as to whether the, the, um, the government funding relieved the school of a cost they would otherwise have to assume. And with reference, as, as, as you've just indicated, Justice Scalia, yeah, when you uh, went to, to the parochial school, you had to pony up with the amount of money that was necessary in order to provide the textbook. So the school was not relieved of any cost they would have otherwise had to have assumed. It was, it was direct aid to, to the parent. And I, and I think the supplement and not supplant requirement that's in Chapter 2 is just another way of saying that we will not give direct aid to the school, but it is permissible to give aid directly to the parent. I think that's where the distinction is. What is it? Suppose you said, to go back to Justice O'Connor, that textbooks, that computers today are what textbooks were 30 years ago. And so really it's just an application of whatever principle there was then. You can't get on without computers today in a school any more than you could get on without textbooks, and they can be regulated so that they uh, deal with secular subjects in roughly the same way as textbooks could. So there's no difference. In other words, QED, this case. What what you say? Well, I would respectfully disagree with that. There are two major distinctions between the textbooks and with reference to the computers. The first distinction is, as pointed out by the brief filed by the uh, National School Boards Association is that computers are are um, are required to be in the school, and as um, as indicated earlier by um, by the um, um, counsel for the for the government, um, those are things that a school has to have to operate. It is true that textbooks uh, must be used for a school to operate, but as I indicated, as I understand the Allen decision and the decisions that have come down since then, it was determined that that was something that the parents normally purchased. It did not relieve the school of the, of the cost they would otherwise so have, have to bear. If you have school districts, or let's say you have two parochial schools, one buys the text for the students, 
uh, the other makes a student buy the text for themselves. The, the, that would be a distinction uh, that the uh, government would have to follow in, 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 in funding for t in giving textbooks? It, in it one is, they could and the other they couldn't? That doesn't make much sense. It is a distinction that this Court has previously made, and, uh, and, and, and as I've indicated, um, that would be certainly nothing that would be divertible. Uh, the textbook is not divertible. Well, what, what, but the computer is certainly divertible. It can be used for almost any purpose. Was Allen the first, the only case we've ever had that allowed the furnishing of textbooks? Well, I think the Cochrane case allowed it, and, and, and um, did that make the point that the parents were paying for the textbook? Well, the point was made in Cochrane that it, it, re, it did not relieve the school of the cost of otherwise educating the, the student. In fact, I think that's the first time that the Court made that observation. How about the cases that have come after Allen? Have some of them approved the grant of, tech, of, of money for textbooks? To my knowledge, all the cases that have dealt with textbooks have approved that on, on, the, on, the, on both bases that I've indicated, that it did not supplant and that it was not a divertible type of uh, material. Well, what, what, what do you under, understand the term supplant to mean? I understand the term supplant to mean generally the same thing as, as, your, as, as your Honor indicated in the Zobrest case, that it did not relieve the school of a cost that they would otherwise have to bear in uh, in the education, the core education of the of the students that is this determined school by school? I'm I'm no. not sure how you apply this. I mean, no. if no. one school bought the books and and charged a tuition that that was you know you couldn't segregate what part of the tuition went to books or anything else, and another school charged a lower tuition but the parents bought the books, would it be supplanting in one school and supplementing in the other? No, no I, I would say it should not be. Perhaps the, the one basis would be that what is required within the state, for instance, the state of Louisiana requires that a certain number of text, uh, a certain number of library books be purchased uh, each year and that they be called out. And, and the interesting so, thing so, is. So, so that if the state doesn't require computers and you have a very uh, a parochial school in an affluent suburb that does have a lot of computers. You say you could provide computers, even though the school already has it? No, I think that there's... Well, you must be doing it school by school. No, I think there are certain items that are so fundamental in the operation of a school, such as a library, that you cannot function, you cannot operate a school without having those items like desks and blackboards. Right. What about computers? I, I would say the same thing about computers today. They are basic to the operation of the school, and therefore, like bricks, like mortar, like blackboards, like desks, they, they, must be, uh, they must be provided if you're going to operate a school. And, and if the government provides that, then the government is actually supporting that particular, particular so school. So supplant and supplement means unimportant and important. The government can't do anything that's important. No, I think the government can do many things that are important. But as I understand, uh, our historic commitment is that taxpayers will not be required to whether they're uh, members or non-members of the faith, be required by, by tax law to contribute to religious education. And certainly within the schools in Jefferson Parish, we know that they do not separate out religion from the secular classes. And the, the decisions of this Court has historically always been that we may not engage in the type of uh, funding that 
that provides the aid that may aid both religion and the secular. But one of the things that I would like to point out is the fact that in this particular case, we are dealing with an applied uh, determination that the law uh, was not constitutional. It was not constitutionally applied. And we know that, we know in Jefferson Parish, it wasn't just some books that were furnished. The testimony from the assistant superintendent of schools for the archdiocese that had jurisdiction over these schools testified, and this is on page 63A of the uh, joint appendix. He testified, the monies that were allocated for Chapter 2 of state library books were first used, and then if that library wanted additional volumes, then if monies were available, they, they would use those funds. In many cases, there were no funds available. They had to rely on the Chapter 2 of the state library in order to furnish their libraries. Well, that sounds to me like supplanting. That does not sound to me like a situation where someone is merely supplementing a few additional books. Are are you saying, then, that uh, any aid given directly to the school rather than to uh, students or parents uh, is is bad under the First Amendment? No, I I would not go that far. I think that it is... How far would you go? I think it is is conceivable that one might... In the appro- if the statute was properly drawn and properly administered, make some determination that it is merely supplementing a particular, maybe in a particular field or, or utilizing. Well, give me an example of what you think would be permissible in furnishing aid directly to schools. I think it might be permissible, for instance, to uh, provide uh, some arrangements for. Um, Musical instruments to be utilized within the school, that might be supplemental. I don't know. What if they played O Come All Ye Faithful? I, w- I, w- I wouldn't have a problem with them pay- playing O Come All Ye Faithful or any other song. School buses. I have no problem with school buses. I, if, if the court- a lot of schools really couldn't operate unless they, unless they had school buses. No, no, well, I have no problem with transporting children to and from school. Uh, I do have so the problems. The buses are given to the school. Well, I would have problems. Well, I think. I mean, ju- just as the, the children read the books, but the books are given to the school. The children ride the buses, but the buses are given to the school. I don't see any distinction between that and books. But as the court pointed out in Woman, once you would give the, the bus to the school, then they could use it for whatever purposes. It certainly could be utilized for a whole variety of purposes in addition to that which was which was uh, approved in, in the Everson case. You know, I, it, you know d- deciding what is, what is supplementing and what is supplanting on an item-by-item basis is so difficult and so hard to do on a generalized basis. Well, might it not be better to adopt some rule that, uh, you know, you can provide some aid but not so much that, uh, uh, that you're effectively enabling schools to, to uh, function which otherwise would not be able to do so? Wouldn't that be an easier easier principle to uh, uh, to follow? I think it's much easier to follow the principles that at least we have some historical precedent for than to adopt 
some new neutrality concept where we don't know whether you can build schools or you can buy desks or, or where the historical the precedent be isn't very happy. Historical precedent when it says you can supply maps but you can't supply globes. And, and you know, as, as Senator Moynihan asked, what if you have a what, uh, you can provide books but you can't provide uh, you can't provide globes? And, and Senator Moynihan says, what if you have a book that has a that has a map in it? Uh, you know, the, the precedent doesn't stick together very well. Well, of course, the distinction in that case was, again, whether you were re- leaving the school of a cost they would otherwise have to assume. No, in but the case that, of the that text- in and of itself has never been a sufficient con- uh, criterion, because if that were the only criterion, Everson would have gone the other way, I presume. Uh, or at least it certainly would in this day, in an age in which schools, by and large, have to do a lot of transportation. And if, 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 if that's our criterion, I don't know what it limits. Don't you think that what we have been doing uh, is, is groping in the direction of trying to identify forms of aid by reference to the risk that they can be used directly for religious teaching? Uh, is, is that not the reason why we say, okay, some textbooks can be supplied, a math book could be perhaps, it might go to the, to the, to the core function uh, in, of, of all teaching, but it doesn't have a risk that it's going to be used to, to inculcate religious beliefs. Anything is possible, but it's not very high. On the other hand, if you start paying teachers' salaries in religious schools in which the very mission of the school includes a religious inculcation, you cannot possibly separate what pays for the religion and what, pay, what does not. And don't you think that we are groping in in the direction of some kind of a risk of direct religious use criterion? Yes, I would agree that perhaps one of the most uh, important concerns in uh, reaching a solution to this very important question is whether there is an appreciable risk or a substantial risk that what the government is doing will ultimately result in inculcation. I also think, however, you cannot completely eliminate the concern that the government may, through its funding, may not be directly inculcating, but may take over such, uh, such an amount or a certain amount of the, uh, of, of the, of the cost of the education of the program where all you, where all you have is is the um, uh, left is the prohibition against uh, the teaching in the religion class. And we know that that would not prevent the inculcation of religion in sectarian schools because sectarian schools do not compartmentalize the teaching of religion, uh, and they should not. And that is one of the problems with this particular program, uh, with this particular statute, and with the guidance that I understand that the Secretary has propounded, as I understand the guidance that is being propounded and what uh, each of the schools, school principals must sign an assurance not to do is to use the items uh, for any kind of sectarian purpose. Because those items carry a risk of that kind of use. That, that is Library correct. book as a category can include religious books. Computers can be used, I guess, for religious instruction. That is correct. And, but the problem is, is that what you're really doing by those kind of rules is to say to the school, well, while you're teaching religion and you're using the, sector, the government uh, provided 
tools, you have to suppress your religious views. Well, but the, the, the school is perfectly free to accept or reject aid. You know, beggars can't be choosers. And if they don't want this aid because they think they're having to suppress religion, they can say, okay, we won't take it. But, but there's, a powerful, there's a powerful argument out there uh, to, to take the aid and compromise your religious views. And that was, that was one of the reasons why Marie Snyder, a Catholic and one of the plaintiffs in this lawsuit, found the aid to be something that was very distasteful and she felt to be unconstitutional because it would tend to secularize the well, school she, that she supported. Well, she should have gone to the archdiocese, not to court. <laughs> Well, I think she did that, but that found that it was necessary to go to court to ultimately resolve the problem. But even, I take it on your argument, even, you know, even if, if we reject the, the sort of Roger Williams argument that you, I think it was Roger Williams who first made the argument in this country at least, we would still have a problem uh, uh, simply because uh, we, we assume that there would still be a risk of mixing, and so we'd have entanglement. That, that is inherent every time that government furnishes aid that goes to something like computers, something like uh, science labs would be okay under Justice Souter's theory of identifying uh, things that you know can likely be subverted to religious use. Well, well, not in the you sectarian. You could title science labs for every parochial school in the country, and that'd be all right. Not in the sectarian school I attended, where creation was taught as the yeah. as the um, uh, as the origin of life. Uh, I think it would well, might be very difficult. Well, we talk. I mean, yes, I, I suppose it is possible to do that, but it's pretty remote. There, there's nothing that you can't use to teach a religious lesson. I assume, absolutely nothing. If yeah. that's going to be your test, then Justice Souter's uh, approach doesn't doesn't make any sense at all. No, I would agree with your honor that, for instance, uh, it makes no sense to say that. Uh, a geography book might be used for sectarian purposes because somebody might pick it up and say, oh, there's Salt Lake City or there's the Vatican or there's some other place that has some kind of religious purpose. But, but, but I, Science lab, you think, is a lot different. Well. I think it's a lot different because it costs a lot more money myself. But. I think the science lab may be different, but I am certain about computers, where, which is probably the most highly divertible type of item that can ever be utilized within a school. You can use yeah, it for almost any purpose. Is, according to your opponents, anyway, that you had four years in discovery and searched the files and were unable to come up with one instance anywhere in which the computer actually had been diverted. I'm interested in your comment on that and also in your comment on the San Francisco case, where I think the San Francisco case involved pretty strict control uh, so that the computer would not be diverted to uh, uh, religious teaching. What, what do you think of that? Why isn't that satisfactory? With reference to the computer uh, in, in San Francisco, that was a locked computer, and uh, that could not, as I understand the technology, be diverted to a religious purpose. The, 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 the remaining problem would be if the court would find that that was uh, the type of equipment that uh, all schools would ordinarily have to purchase in order to function, and whether if the court continues to uh, agree with the, the fact that one should not uh, fund in whole or in part what might be termed the secular aspect of the school, but uh, 
But with reference to, to the computer uh, in, in, in San Francisco, I think it did take care of the divertibility problem. And here, then, then that would be all right. In your opinion, the program would Well, it, would, it might solve the divertibility problem. It would not solve the supplanting problem, which I still believe. Well, if you have a supplanting problem, uh, why don't you ask uh, the secretary to do something? Because under the statute and the regs, that would be illegal if it was supplanting rather than supplementing. Oh, it is. I mean, doesn't the program require uh, supplementing and not supplanting? That, that's correct. The problem right, of that's it. correct, then if they're doing the opposite, don't you have a remedy under the program to say, uh, don't do it, you're, you're not following the program? The, the problem of it is, and again, this is a, an ad, uh, administration of the program case, uh, as I understand it, um, um, Ms. Underwood uh, agreed that it might be a, a problem if you added uh, a, a computer because there were more students. On page 186 of the joint appendix, uh, the Immaculata High School, in its needs assessment, in describing why it needed various types of equipment, said, while effective use has been made of the audiovisual materials which have been purchased with Chapter 2 funds, they must be replaced and updated from time to time. Our enrollment has increased somewhat so that more students use the library materials and consequently more audiovisual software is needed. That sounds to me like supplementing. And the problem well, if of you're it right, is, if you're right, my basic question is, you've had four years to look for examples of program violation. The government would say you should have more time. Send it back so you can keep doing it. But from the point of view of the statute, if isn't why isn't it good enough to, from your constitutional point of view to say, well, we have a remedy under this statute if either of these things is going on, diversion or supplementation. And we would assume that the statute corrects for that. Now, what's wrong with that? The problem is, is that you have to, you have to find out whether the uh, statute is being carried out in accordance with the way it is written. The problem is this. As I understand the guidance that is now given to us by the Secretary in 1999 after the decision of the Court of Appeals, he now looks to usage logs. He says, okay, you can have usage logs and you'll know whether the computer was, was used properly or not. The problem in Jefferson Parish, the only two cases where we had usage logs, they mixed the Chapter 2 and their own equipment together. So when you looked at the usage log, and we do have an example of the usage log in, in, uh, on page uh, 206A and 207A, and we find that the theology department uh, had the next to the highest usage out of three or the four years, but the answer was, well, you don't know whether it was uh, purchased by Chapter 2 funds or whether it was purchased by school funds. That was the answer was given to us. And, and, uh, and did you know? Pardon? And did you know? How would one know? We don't know. 
But the problem of it is, is that the school district couldn't know either. That's the problem. They could, u- they could look at the usage logs and they wouldn't be any more maybe, informed. Maybe they didn't keep records, but uh, I, I, as I understand it, these things had to be labeled to make it clear that they were the product of these federal funds and couldn't be used for these secular purposes, right? Well, in Jefferson and Parish. These schools you're complaining of uh, all, all, all believe in the, in, the, in the Seventh Commandment, I assume. I think it's the Seventh, isn't it? Th- th- that isn't the yeah. problem, as I understand. For instance, there, the, 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 uh, Mr. Lewis, who was head of the program in the state of Louisiana, he explained one of the problems was that there was such a, uh, a major turnover of the people that were in charge of the Chapter 2 program in the sectarian schools that many times those that were in charge of the program weren't really fully instructed and didn't know. The insurances are only, only signed once every three years, and the people that were involved with the program weren't informed. The second problem was... Uh, indicated with these 191 books that were furnished and, and returned to us nine days after our lawsuit was filed. And when we went to one of the teachers, uh, um, Ms. Cannon, uh, from St. Anthony School, her explanation was, she said, I would never have ordered those books, and I believe her. She said, though, we gave the task to a volunteer parent, and she selected the books, and I looked to see whether the total was within our allotment. Mr. Boothie, all that sounds like faulty implementation, that if only the schools did what they pledged to do, it would be okay. And I thought that wasn't your position. Our, Our problem is twofold. First of all, I think it's almost impossible to have certain equipment like computers provided that will not be diverted unless you do have locked computers. But if you have just the normal computer that you can do anything with, hook it into the Internet, I don't know how you're ever going to police that regardless. I'm not willing to assume that without some evidence that there's an overwhelming problem of these, of these religious schools uh, flouting uh, the law. I'm not prepared to assume that that's a widespread problem that, uh, that, that invalidates this law. Your Honor, say you haven't found any problems. I, I'm not willing to posit that there, there is uh, just, just this widespread problem of, uh, of infraction. Your Honor, with reference to the Internet, I would agree this is not the case to decide that issue. Uh, this case be, uh, came before uh, Vice President Gore invented the Internet, and I really don't know uh, what the problems might be with reference to uh, the Internet and computers. I really don't know the answer to that. And I think that case must come later, and then we'll find out what requirements are necessary in order to prevent that problem from occurring. In conclusion, respondents assert that when the government elects, when the government elects to provide aid directly to and under the meaningful control of church-operated elementary and secondary schools, for their core or essential educational functions. It results in an unconstitutional subsidy to pervasively sectarian institutions. And when the aid provided, which consists of government resources, still legally owned by the government, is also divertible to religious use by those in possession, the aid program also bears the substantial risk of being used as an instrument to inculcate sectarian doctrine. Now, as I understand, as I understand the argument of the petitioners, what they want this court to do is to adopt a concept which basically says, "It's Thank you, Mr. Boothby, uh, Mr. McConnell, you have two minutes remaining." 
Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Essentially, what this case is about is bringing uh, programs of this sort uh, up up to date. That the um, Meek and Woolman, uh, the cases upon which the Fifth Circuit relied, and and the respondents are mired in the technology of the 1970s and the jurisprudence of the 1970s. Since that time, education has changed, and this court's uh, doctrines have changed. There may very well be limits uh, on. Uh, if the government, uh, in, in some hypothetical case, which seems politically extremely unlikely, were to assume total uh, support for schools, that would mean that the religious elements within those schools are being subsidized by the government. But that has not been enacted. It's not likely to be enacted. This Court should take cases uh, one at a time. And when the Congress passes a statute that provides secular, neutral, non-ideological equipment and material for children on a neutral basis, that not only is not a constitutional threat, Your Honors, that is something which is in the finest tradition of the First Amendment because it leaves people free to be able to make educational choices for themselves. The government then is not subsidizing and it is not favoring religion, but on the other hand, it is not in the rather illiberal position of denying basic technological tools of the 20th century to some children because their parents have chosen religious schools. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. McConnell. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until Monday next at 10 o'clock.